0: Welcome to the Kessid Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to KessidChurch.com or find us on Facebook. Um I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you very much. My name's Danny. I'm one of the pastors here at Kessid. How many people went to Clark and, and then ended up ended up here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll try to catch you up. Uh, I think it was Wednesday. We got an email from someone who worked at Clark that said, Hey, we have a pretty significant uh, problem with our HVAC system. And we're not going to have any heat this weekend as they turn it all off in order to repair the system. And we were like, Oh, that's fine. We'll just wear parkas. No problem. Like no problem. We're serious too. We were like, no problem. We have to do church. And they're like, no, we we can't have you in the building. And we, I don't know if we thought it was real because we were like, no, I mean, it's, it's Christmas and there's. It's like, 800 people, we'd have to move in a matter of hours. And they are like, yeah, yeah, no, that's what's happening. And so we called all the schools in town. They were all full, of course, because it's Christmas. We called all the venues that, that you could think of. And uh, this church got mentioned. And we were like, well, they, they hold service on Saturday. Maybe they would let us hold service and move in on Sunday. And they, uh, they met as a, as a board. And they said, you know what, we want to help this church out and we want to make sure the gospels move forward so can we just appreciate them and uh so uh a whole group of people toured two or three different times this week in order to figure out how we could move in here and uh and I just want to appreciate also the the teardown and setup team and all those folks it's just it's it's a really really special thing who we have here that makes all this happen so thank you guys and uh yeah And thank you. Thank you for coming. If you're a guest, you're probably totally confused, but uh, that's okay. We will be back at Clark next week, and we will be at Clark until we move into our newly remodeled uh, downtown building that is just looking amazing. We were in it last week, and we're going to do an update in January for you guys, but it's it's really like the foyer. A few people were like, this foyer, like we can hang out, and there's space. I've never seen people so excited about a foyer in my life. (laughs) But uh, we have one of those in the new building. Uh, we actually have two because we have balconies. So it, it's just going to be incredible. God is doing so many things. And you know what? Why should we be surprised? Look at what he's done for us this holiday and this Sunday. So uh, he's, he is worthy of our praise. Amen. Um, so if you know anything about me and how I operate, you know that I have a really, really hard time not preaching from where I'm at. And I, I Started off this week fairly frustrated with the reality that that we were being displaced and that we had to find uh, a different place to 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 have church. And so I I wanted to uh, begrudgingly lean into that. And I know that's weird for some of you that you're like, what? Why would you want to lean into your to, to the hardship? But I just knew. I, I just felt it like, okay, God, you you know it's Christmas and you can like stop leaks pretty easy and you can fix HVAC systems. And apparently you want us. To to experience something. And so in our church, we we talk a lot about emotional health and being present with our emotions. So what I want to do is invite you into the process with me and really experience with me what I was feeling. Because if you don't, today's sermon may not fit well with you. Uh, Being displaced is this this feeling that you don't really have any power. That, That in one email, as no matter how good of a leader I am, no matter how well prepared, no matter how well I steward the, the mantle, no matter how well the team uh, uh, planned, in one email, we lost our whole weekend. Just one email. And I was like, I was, I was uh, frustrated and upset at, at the lack of, of permanence and the lack of control that I had. And I remember just thinking to myself, by myself in my office, not in front of anybody who mattered, like, this, this is Ridiculous. And I cannot wait till we're in our church home and we're feeling like, like the presence of God because we belong. And we don't have emails coming in that, that just wreck our worlds. And I was just sort of doing this thing. Because and, 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 I'm, just, I'm just honest and I, with, with even myself. It's just part of my emotional health journey that I'm in. And I was like, I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I hate feeling displaced. As a matter of fact, it makes me feel kind of small. Like, I can't really drive anything, and I've just sort of got to sit with my hands open like a child and and ask, What's next? And I don't like that feeling. And what's really neat about sitting in this room right now is that all of you, if you'll allow it, can feel that feeling with me because you're in a borrowed church. You don't belong here. This isn't your church home. You're not most likely part of this congregation, although for some of you, maybe you used to go here and you're like, this is going to be awkward. <laughs> but it's, a, it's beautiful, right? That we're in this beautiful space that we get to appreciate all that God is doing with them. But I want this. And I don't want to be the one who's displaced and having to knock and, and make phone calls and ask, can we, can we get some help? Can we get some provision? And I want you to feel that right now. Because it's important for, for where we're going next. Feel what it feels like to sit in borrowed pews in a borrowed church provided by beautiful people that God used to bless you. But that you had no control or choice about. Okay, good, we got it. It's, it's okay, but it's not, it's not your favorite. If you go back a few thousand years before Christ, there was another group of people, famously, who were wandering in the desert. And they were a people who belonged to God, like us, who were provided for by God, like us, who lived day to day with their arms open wide like little children, asking God, what's next? They were wanderers, and they were lost, and they were fairly purposeless, and not just for one Sunday, for years. Their whole culture was a culture of wandering and and lack of control. They could have been invaded at any moment. But God didn't allow that. They could have had too much heat and all their livestock die and starve to death, but but God didn't allow that. God could have turned off the water that poured from the rock, but he didn't, but he could have. There wasn't this mighty river they always knew would be consistent. There weren't crops anywhere they knew would grow regularly. There was really nothing to depend on. And so they were a people waiting that owned nothing who felt consistently and constantly like we do right now. Always wondering where we're going to be next. When do we get to go home? So God, being the loving Father that he is, recognizing the wanderings and the hurt within these people, he decides to give them something to focus on. And he goes to them one day and he goes, I want you to gather all your craftsmen, all your set-up, tear-down people, all the people good with their hands, if you will. And I want you to build me a box. And he gives them all these specific directions about this box. And he describes it and he talks about it. It says in Hebrews 9, 4b, this box he called the Ark of the Covenant was covered on all sides with gold. And then God said, I want you to place within this box three things. I want you to replace, place within this box a golden urn holding manna. I want you to place Aaron's staff, the one that budded. And I want you to place those stone tablets that I gave you. It says then, there was a lid put on the box, and above that box there were cherubim, two angels of glory overshadowing the lid that they called The mercy seat. Now, it's important you understand that this would have been years into the desert. I think people think sometimes the Israelites go out like Prince of Egypt singing a song, and then next thing you know, they build an ark, and next thing you know, they. it wasn't like that. These things that God wanted to put in the ark each had its own story. Each had its own revelation of who God was to the people. And it was at the end of each of these revelations that God then said, we're going to put these things inside this box built by the people in your community that are good with your hands. Like our set-up teardown people. And so these craftsmen go to work and they build this beautiful box. And I'm sure it took months, if not years, within the desert to do this kind of thing. And it's it's weighed and it's measured, and, and Moses is overseeing it, and these folks are overseeing it. And it's, I mean, it's it's just gotta be an incredible experience to watch this process come together as God says, I'm gonna give you something that belongs to you. And you're gonna focus upon this thing when you're lost, you're gonna focus upon this thing. When you're wandering, you're gonna when, you, when your marriage is cracked, when your business is falling apart, when your world is broken, God says, I want you to focus upon me. And that's what he was doing for these people who were wandering in the desert. Focus upon me no matter what, no matter the difficulty, no matter the struggle. Focus upon me. Let's look at each of those items just, just for a moment that God put inside his ark. The first one I said was the manna, and it was put in a golden urn. And manna represented the life-sustaining food that God gives his people in Christ. Manna was something that they woke up to every single morning. A presence of God that that you wake up to every single morning. How good is that? How many of us are still supposed to experience that? Know that we're still supposed to be experiencing that. You're supposed to wake up to a fresh perspective a fresh presence of God because as the song we just sang says it's his breath that fills our lungs it's his beat that keeps our heart moving it is his purpose that allows us to wake up one more morning to live one more day we're supposed to wake up every single day like these people did hoping there was manna once again when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, this is how the Lord stayed, uh, sustained them. I love this. I didn't know this till recently, or maybe I did, but I forgot it. They didn't know what to call it, so they called it manna, which literally meant, what is it? It's like finding something and you call it, huh? And then someone goes, oh, it's a huh? Well, that's cool. Everybody, Danny found a huh. And it, it's sort of this, within the name, this idea that God continues to provide for us. In this way. The next thing they put inside the ark was Aaron's budding staff. Now it's the budding staff of Aaron that that is very important. Because see what happened is church is political, right? It's full of people and people are messed up. It's led by messed up people. It's overseen by messed up people. It's only because of the Holy Spirit and his provision that we can gather with his guidance and his book. And that we can bring worship to him. Well, back in the day when Aaron was... ...called by Moses to be the priest of the people... ...a few other people went, oh, hold on there. It's a little bit of nepotism there, Moses. Going for your brother-in-law, huh? There's other people here equally as qualified to be priests of the people. And so Moses goes, yeah, you're right... ...but I just got a feeling it's supposed to be Aaron. So he goes before God, and so God says to him... ...take each of these people who want to be priests... ...and have them take their staffs, their dead sticks... ...that they use... ...and lay them before me overnight within my temple... And the next morning, when you come in, whichever staff has butted, that's the one that I want to be my priest. This is still today how we solve all kinds of problems within the church. (laughs) You'll see a bunch of guys walking around with staffs like, man, I don't know if we should do this or not. But 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 it's a really great idea. It's a great problem, uh, a way to fix problems. And I love this. Number 17.8 says this. On the next day. Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, and this is my favorite part, and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. What? Like he comes out with an almond stick, and he's like, yep, guess it's Aaron, people. My question is, who got to eat the holy almonds? Because those are anointed holy almonds. Who who ate those? You don't know, do you? Because no one does. It's mysteries of God's word. The almonds of choice. (laughs) Uh, The next thing they put inside God's focus point, his box, his ark, were the Ten Commandments. These were those stone uh, guidelines that God placed before them. This showed that the moral law of God would forever stand before the presence of God of who he was forever god's law would stand because of who god was i like this quote it represents that the law would be kept in christ that he would fully obey all the commands of god for his people these commandments are things we still follow still today honor your father and mother do not covet These are the things that we live by still today. And they put them inside this box. And then they looked back at the box. And then it was the guy who brought the lid, the mercy seat. I'd like to be that guy. I hope it fits. I hope it fits. I hope it fits. Right. Puts it on. It fits perfect. They step back and they look at this mercy seat. And this mercy seat was something very sacred and very special to them. For it was this mercy seat that they would then sprinkle the blood on of their sacrifice once a year during the Day of Atonement people would bring their favorite lambs their flawless lambs and they would be killed and then their blood would be sprinkled upon the seat and you step back and you experience sort of this 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 thing that god does where he exchanges his mercy for your brokenness for your wrongdoing finally The symbolism of the ark reached its grand climax on the day of atonement as this would happen. And people would step back and see this sacrifice being made. And then there would be two cherubim that sat on either side of the mercy seat. And then it says in the Bible, when the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled on the mercy seat, between these two cherubim, the glory of God would appear. See, I I saw this. Staying within my feeling of being displaced. And I knew that it was special. And I knew also that it wasn't very Christmassy. But I knew it was special. Because it met a need inside me during this feeling that I couldn't shake. I just, I just couldn't get rid of it. I, I was frustrated. I stayed within my frustration. I was authentic about how I felt. I was respectful to the people that I worked with. But I didn't pretend like, it's all good. I'm really tired of the it's all good people. Because nobody believes you. I shook hands with a guy once, and I said, hey, how are you? And he said, as good as a human can be. No, I don't think so. I, I, these, are, these are common statements that people use and say to try to push back the stuff in their lives that's stretching them and, and the struggles that I think oftentimes God uses like this to bring feelings to remind us of what he wants to accomplish within our stories. <laughs> of what he wants to accomplish within our hearts. So I saw this message, and I saw the box, and I saw the things, and I saw the wondering people, and I sat there and I thought, yeah, it's cool. It's interesting. It's not very Christmassy. Well, by Friday, I have to give my notes to the team and move forward. And I've learned over the years to trust that if God is moving me in a certain direction, especially if he's moving me like this, if I don't listen to him, he often will just... uh, He'll just wreck me. And I don't like being wrecked. So I went to a birthday party. Didn't think about it at all. Came home last night. Went to bed. Done. I thought tomorrow will be what it is. I mean, what do you guys really expect anyways? We're in somebody else's building. I mean, if I was ever just going to mail in a sermon, this would be the one. Because you're like, well, it was difficult, difficult place, difficult time. I mean, what do we expect from Danny? He just can't get up there. And, and, and I kind of was leaning into that a little bit. Like, they'll be gracious. And then I'll hit it hard next week. <laughs> but then about 1.30 in the morning, I woke up for no reason. And I hate that because it happens rarely. I woke up. I tried not to move because I didn't want to wake my wife. And I sat there for an hour and a half, laid there for an hour and a half. And I remember doing everything I could to go back to sleep. For me, I, I uh, count the things I'm grateful for because I feel like counting sheep is... You don't score enough points. But if you count things you're grateful for, you get to score a lot of points with Jesus if you do that. So I'm like, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for that. and I, th- I promise. I'm thankful for this. You know, and I'm, I'm counting because I, I want to go back to sleep. And an hour and a half later, I start thinking about my message. And I start thinking about you. And I start thinking about wandering. And I start thinking about me. And I start thinking about how this is going to feel today. And how it's just not very Christmassy. And I sat there, and all of a sudden I went... Oh. And then I took a step back. See the first thing that they put inside the ark was that manna. That manna that was bread, that manna that was that was representative of God's provision for his people that they had to seek after but was always consistently there to provide nourishment for them. When Jesus fed the 5000, did you know this is what he said about that story? Jesus then said, as they were eating, he said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So suddenly the manna is tied to Jesus, who is the bread of life that we can seek after every single morning, who is new every single morning whose mercies are new every single morning. This is all happening in the dark in my bedroom, by the way. And I'm like, okay, okay. Then I started processing that a little bit, that the spiritual flesh and blood of Christ is life-sustaining food for the believer still today. The next thing is Aaron's budding staff. Started processing Aaron's budding staff and this idea that God placed this dead stick into a, into darkness, and the next morning it was alive and budding and providing sustenance for people. Isaiah forty-two, one is a prophecy, and it says, Behold my servant Whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. The staff of Aaron represented justice. It represented the judgment of the priest, which was the judgment of God. And so the staff of Aaron, which was this dead stick, gets put alongside all other men. And God says, I'm going to use him to do something. And so he brings life to this branch that is dead. We know that Jesus is the one who who we are grafted into, for we are dead, we are fallen, but he, of course, brings life. And he is the great high priest, and he is the great judgment bringer, and he is the one who holds that wisdom still today. Next, God had them place those Ten Commandments. And it represents that law that would be kept, we read this in Christ and that he would fully obey all the commands of God for his people. Matthew 5, 17 says, do not think, Jesus says, that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He says, those belong to me. He says, I represent those things. So now what you've got is this three-part description of Jesus lying within this beautiful box. So you've got to complete the story. Suddenly, there's a mercy seat that goes on top. It's very coffin-like, isn't it? It's very death-like. It's very closed. And upon death, the blood of God reigns. Upon, we, we celebrate this in baptism all the time. We teach it to small children. The water is simply symbolic. It represents you going under your old life to die to what you used to be and come up new. And so we go under into the the provisional giving of Jesus Christ who is the bread of life. We go under to the judgment of God who who brings life into the branch of humanity and and carries all justice in his wisdom. We go under and compared to the laws that he has spoken over us. And over us is placed death. Over us is placed judgment. Over us is placed everything that you and I deserve. We We are banished. We are lost. We are in darkness. But then the little lamb walks into the room, who's done nothing wrong, who doesn't deserve to die for you or me or anybody else. And this lamb, of course, is Jesus, and his blood and his life is given, and it's sprinkled over this place of great mercy. It's sprinkled over the law. It's sprinkled over the judgment. It's sprinkled over the life-giving essence of who Jesus wants to be. And in this place, suddenly mercy is bestowed upon you and upon me. How can an unrighteous man stand before the presence of the righteous God? The dilemma is resolved through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what the mercy seat represents. And then finally, the symbolism of the ark, as I said, reached its climax with those cherubim. I don't know if you've ever put this together, but it's a pretty beautiful picture. For when Mary Magdalene came to the tomb of Jesus, the huge slab that his body was laid upon, that his blood was drained upon, the huge mercy seat within his tomb of darkness that was covered over, Jesus who was the bread of life, Jesus who was the great judgment of all, Jesus who brought law and truth to the world, all of that is in darkness, and the tomb is rolled away, and Mary walks in, and on each side of this mercy seat where Jesus Once was as nothing but a sheet and blood and an angel at his head and an angel at his feet and suddenly it becomes fairly christmassy (laughs) see god even then came to his wandering people his displaced people and he told them i'm gonna send one that you will belong to I'm going to send one that you forever will be able to find home within. I'm going to send one that no matter how displaced you are within your story, within your journey, within your faith, no matter how broken you are, no matter how lost you are, no matter what laws you've broke, no matter if you've chosen death over life, no matter if you've been the one who judges instead of being the one who submits to judgment, no matter the death of Jesus Christ and the blood that pours over your life and mine that is witnessed by angels on both sides can be given to you new every single morning for that is why we celebrate the birth of christ that is why we celebrate christmas and that is why it matters so much we're all displaced no matter the beauty of our packaging we're all displaced but it is only when we're honest with that displacement that we can truly realize that God has found us in the midst of our own personal and emotional desert and he has given us this beautiful child to focus upon. And his name is Jesus and he wants to change your life. I believe there's people here today, I didn't do this before and you don't know God and you've been running from him for a long time and it's, it's done. It's time to stop. You know it. I know it. The person next to you knows it. Makes it awkward, but <laughs> And so I just want to give you an opportunity to to maybe be present with that knowing. To be present this Christmas with what it all really means. To see that you cannot outrun him. Because he made you. And he loved you. And you, you belong to him. I'm going to ask every head to bow. Bow. I just want to pray a very, very simple prayer for those of you in the room who are ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just simply say this quietly to yourself, God, it's me. I am tired of running. I am tired of feeling displaced. Lord, I believe that your son came to die on a cross for me. I believe That he has the ability to forgive because of his mercies and because of his sacrifice. And so, God, I just ask for help. Receive who I am completely, no matter my failures, no matter my mistakes. Thank you, Father. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for coming as you were, no matter the journey. We praise you. We lift you high. Amen.